This is Let's Chat, Kathleen Dillahunt, Wednesday, the 30th of December. And it's been a whole month since we last connected and I last spent time chatting with you. But it's an absolute honor to be back with you, to be sharing with you again, and to be talking to you this morning and giving you some feedback on the amazing month that I've just spent in the East. But let's open in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for this beautiful day. I want to thank you that this truly is the day that you have made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. I want to thank you for the privilege of being able to serve you. And I want to thank you that you never, ever, ever get tired or weary of serving us and looking after us and caring for us. I thank you for your anointing over the sound waves today, over my voice today. And I want to thank you that you will be glorified and that your words will carry power in the mighty name of Jesus. Friends, it's an absolute honor for me to be sharing with you today. I have to give you feedback over the last month of traveling in Myanmar and in Thailand and just give you something of a, of a little glimpse of the incredible privilege that it was for me to go and serve a people that ended up ministering to me more, I think, than I could possibly have ministered to them. But before I start, I just want to thank every single person that prayed for me. I want to thank you for those that committed to praying for me and for those that I know were praying, even that hadn't committed and told me they would. I'm so grateful you carried me in a time where, where I was facing all kinds of unknowns um, Gengi fever had broken out again in Myanmar and people were sick, but God was so faithful. People were sick with flu. Um, there was all kinds of other hidden dangers. It's still, a, it's still a coup. It's still under military control. And yet God was so gracious and he protected me so incredibly and protected my voice. I was able to minister intensely. For the month, um, ministered morning, noon, afternoon, night time, and was able at the end to be given the most incredible two days holiday in Thailand with my beautiful, precious friend that I have there. And I came back and I've had two days here in South Africa just to reflect, just to catch my breath, just to sleep. <laughs> and now today I just want to share with you something of what this trip meant and what I learned and what I saw um, going back into the East. My last trip was in 2019. And when I went back now, friends, four years later, I was horrified, astounded, amazed, and so impressed at the hand of God in these four years of isolation and what was happening in these two countries. Um, my I first landed in Myanmar and four years ago things were very different to what they are today. In the meantime, we've all the whole world came under the, the onslaught and the fakeness and the, the horror and everything else that was connected with COVID and the lockdowns and all the things that in hindsight we all realized how much of that actually was fake how much of it wasn't meant to be, how much of it should never ever been allowed to happen. And yet the whole world, like sheep gone astray, sheep without a shepherd, followed blindly. And, um, and then there was the terrible coup 
that they've experienced in Myanmar. And in the four years under the control of the coup, there have been the most horrendous establishments of the 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 scams, the, the, the internet cyber scams that have established in the north of the country, in the places where they're now under military control, people had freedom for crime like never before. And hundreds and thousands of people have been captured into this terrible scheme, the scam scheme that has established in the in the time that the whole world was stopped from doing what's righteous, honest and true, but crime and and evil could grow and multiply powerfully. But I'll get there in a moment. You know, what was amazing to me is I've gone back into the country and I've seen how, how the coup and how the, 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 the control of COVID and the, and the shattering of COVID destroyed the company, the country. We see how the NGOs all fled and left the country. We see how the churches, the international churches left. We see how everybody just left the country and left the people abandoned and they could not turn to Buddhism. They couldn't find their answers in Buddhism because the monks couldn't help them. They couldn't find their answers in the government because the government collapsed. They couldn't find their, army, their answers in the, in the army because the army is not for them, it's against them. And we see these people just left shattered. But friends, the most amazing thing for me was seeing people that said, no, we are not fleeing, we are staying. God has called us to the country for a time such as this. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 59 that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises a standard against it. And that's what I want to talk about today. The standard that rose up against the flooding of evil in Myanmar. I was absolutely blown away by what God has done. You know, there were, there were um, a few handful of people that said, no, we're not fleeing this country. We love these people. We're staying for these people. We're going to stay and fight for these people. We're going to stay and feed these people. We're going to stay and care for this broken nation. And one of those was an NGO called Hope. And another one is an NGO called Eden. And then um, we saw the rising up of the city church, Yangon, in this time. And friends, I cannot tell you, I went there to go and minister to a people. And honestly, they ministered to me. I'm blown away by, by the kindness and the glory of God and the power of people that laid down their lives for a nation that's not even their own. God took the the hope NGO and they were able to go and provide masks for the people without masks they were providing food for the people without food they showed them that somebody loved them and his name was Jesus and God has risen up such a revival in the church there were home cells grown everywhere they've just established these Home groups ranging from 20 to 40 people in these different areas. People got saved, radically saved. They've had radical encounters with Jesus. They've had dreams about Jesus. I met gangsters that have been saved out of their life of gang and murder and crime. I saw, uh, I met a man that was a, he's been in four generations of being part of witchcraft and, and being shamans and, and evil, evil, evil control. And he was saved and he was radically saved and encountered Jesus. And his work now is to go back and evangelize the witch doctors, the Sangomas, the shamans. And he goes fearlessly on his own where no one would fear to go. They wouldn't even dare to go. 
and he reaches him and he and he brings him to Christ because he was one of them. We've seen gangsters go back into the very gangs that they were saved out of it. And people coming to the Lord. The church has multiplied. It's the most amazing thing to see the revival that's happening in Myanmar. It's just beautiful. The people are just getting radically saved. They want a vulnerable truth. They're not interested in theology. They're not interested in clever language and clever words and all these clever things that all us clever people always want to take them. They want the reality of walking with Jesus Christ. They want the reality of the power of God. They want the reality of the Holy Spirit. Old people worshipping God with everything within them. Little children, two, three-year-old worshipping God until the tears pour down their cheeks. Sharing the miracles. They've got so many testimonies of miracles every single week that they say, well, is there nothing else that we want to talk about? And it's just the most amazing thing to see. I was so overwhelmed. I'm still overwhelmed. I feel like God... That is what church looks like. A people that are so hungry for you. A people that are so desperate for you. A people that just want Jesus. You know, every time that I've gone to Myanmar, the thing that was overwhelming was the chaos of sound. Because the Buddhists, you know, I don't understand how any Western person could ever be interested in becoming a Buddhist. Because if they see the raw reality of how ugly, how evil it really is. They realize how deceived they are with this romantic illusion of enlightenment in the West. It is ugly. It's raw. It's terrible. The things that happen in the monastery to the little children, it's terrible. It's evil. And the chaos. They used to wake up early in the morning and, and ring the bells through the street and, and make this horrendous noise because they don't sing. They just make a noise as they walk through the streets on top of their voices, shouting these sounds, having sound systems booming in areas where they keep people awake 24 hours a day. They exhaust them with sound. They keep them in a stupor with sound. It, is, it was the most horrendous thing to experience how, how these people are absolutely almost like zombies being sound controlled by the Buddhists and by the, the noises coming from the monks and from the, from the temples and even in the streets where they put these big speakers. But friends, the streets are quiet because Buddhism hasn't helped them. Buddhism has done nothing for them. And the first thing that I noticed is there is no sound chaos. It is quiet. The speakers have stopped. The singing in the streets have stopped. The chaos has stopped. And people can think. And people can make decisions. And people can realize what they are living under. And they're getting saved. People are having dreams of this shiny man. They're having dreams and coming to Christ in dreams. I was absolutely over and overwhelmed by what they call the slum areas, what we would call the squatter areas in South Africa, and the revival that's happening among the slum people. Areas where it was gang controlled, areas where it was controlled by witchcraft. The areas have been cleaned out because they've all got saved. It's just absolutely incredible. I just want to commend the people that have stayed behind. People that were from other countries. I don't want to reveal names and I don't want to reveal 
things like that because I don't want to put their ministries into jeopardy and I don't want in any way for, for the enemy to turn around and to reach and, and recognize that which has been done in a way that's just been reaching the hearts of people and not wanting anything from anybody. They've just done what God's called them to do. Friends, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, one of the reasons I went was to minister with this ministry and then also to go and be part of the, the to go and do a retreat for a ministry that reaches out to traffic people. And that was incredible to see, to see what they've done, to see how they used to have one outreach team going out onto the streets at night. And I've been with them on those streets and it's dark and it's scary and, and, and it's going in among the, the most evil of evil, going to try and reach these precious, precious trafficked women off the streets, women from the age of puberty, right through that have been sold by their families or stolen or, or been taken away from their families, from, from all the surrounding areas and brought there or from, from Myanmar and gone into all the surrounding areas. They can't even speak the language. They're little girls. And they sold into the sex trade. And it's, it's terrible to see what goes on there. But it's multiplied. It's multiplied where they had one team. They've now got five safe houses in the city. They've got safe houses in other areas in, in, in other parts of the country where these precious people, both pimps and prostitutes, can come and find a safe place and meet Jesus and just learn some of the basics of loving themselves and caring for themselves and that they're not just pieces to be used by, by seductful men to be abused sexually. It was the most wonderful thing to see. And they help these girls come off the streets and they give them health care. And many of them have died of AIDS and they've got the orphan children that are left behind. But they help them. They care for them. They find them places to be helped. And, and they've got programs to re-educate these young women and to help them to become sufficient. Because the reason that they were sold into slavery, into sex slavery, was because there's no money. It's poverty stricken. The country's poverty stricken. With a coup, the, there's no import into the country. The food is limited. There's, there's no tourism in the country and they were so reliant on tourism. There's nothing like that can happen in the country. I went in on a business visa because I was officially going in to be a motivational speaker for the retreat that I was invited to do. But um, it's so closed in. There's no source of income. It's under this control. There's such limited finances. People are poverty stricken. And so that's increased the selling off of their children. But they helped them come off the streets. I know that 95 girls were, were saved earlier this year. That all were stolen victims from Vietnam. And they managed to get them off the streets and to save them. Hundreds and hundreds of girls over the last season being saved and sent back to their families. Sent back to their countries or sent to a safe place that they are able to be safe. But what really was such an incredible thing for me was seeing how... How these girls are being trained and equipped. Some of them in jewelry making. Some of them as beauticians. Some of them with nail care and acrylic nails. Some of them with hair care. So that they can actually become entrepreneurs. Start businesses. And not have to rely on, on, on the income that came from selling their children. And these women themselves being now equipped with dignity. 
They get taught dignity. They get taught self-care. They get taught health care. And they get they have encounters with Jesus. And they get taken off the street. It was just so amazing to see. I sat with the jewelry design team of this ministry that I was ministering with talking about the the new year and what they saw would be happening in the new year and just the because because the the the, the jewelry is all designed prophetically it's everything is done based on the word of god and everything is done empowered by the holy spirit and we started talking about it and the girls started sharing testimony and, and I was absolutely blown away that two i think it was three of the girls in the group i just can't remember the third one's name shared the testimony of why they designed the jewelry that they did and it was representing their freedom from coming out of hell and hopelessness into being saved encountering jesus and now they're designing jewelry for the world to wear and some of the jewelry has been sold into royal royalty and into the uh, um, uh, uh, ambassadors and even worn by Trump's wife and so it's that's the, the level of jewelry that's being produced and these girls said this is what I designed I'm wearing a bracelet that was designed by one of the girls it's a, it's a gold bracelet with a pearl in the middle because she discovered the value of new life that she's a pearl and she's got a new life oh, it was just Honestly, they ministered to me far more than I could have ministered to them. I just was overwhelmed by God. You know, how do you explain the love of Jesus to somebody that wants to argue it intellectually? Somebody that wants to say, but there is no Christ. Somebody that doesn't believe in this God. But how can you explain a God that takes a precious life out of the gutter? And transforms it and they become this beautiful person of value and they realize that there's life and all they want to do with their life is to help other people come into freedom how can you explain that to somebody that wants an intellectual argument you can't you've got to see it you've got to meet it you've got to recognize the beauty of a transformed life my life was a transformed life but oh what jesus is doing is just overwhelming please excuse me but i have been so overwhelmed by people hungry for reality and for truth and for people that just want jesus they just want Jesus. They, they just want more of him. By the people that lay down their lives and their families' lives to be there. Oh, sorry. Not for, not for gain. Not for fame. You don't even know their names. But because they love Jesus and they love people and they just want to see people transformed. It was absolutely overwhelming. And then because of these pig feeding scams, that's what they call them. 
where they have got these very, very cleverly worked out programs <clears throat> where they are luring the world. And it's all of us, friends. It's every single one of us are being lured in, are being seduced in to this network of uh, 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 cyber net scamming. And they lure people in, first of all, in, in employment and their preferences, young women and young men between the ages of about 18 and 30. And they lure them in. They, they put out the adverts for employment and people respond to the employment online because everything is online now. And then they invite you to come to Thailand for an interview and you go for the interview. Excuse me. <coughs> And everything's above board, above board and in order. And sometimes they'll do the interview online and you go through all the steps and they say you've been shortlisted and yes, you've got the job. And it's all about making you feel incredibly selected. And they go across to, uh, to Thailand and to other places. And they meet you with the best of cars, the best of offices. Everything looks so above board. And then the moment that they say, yes, we've got you, they take your passport. And they put you in a smart car to take you to the place where you're going to work because it's out of the main city. And friends, that's the last that these people are seen. And they have got hundreds and thousands of people that they have hijacked and enslaved and they cross the borders. And the next thing the people know, they're no longer in Thailand or they're no longer in the land that they went to, but they're in another land. And they cross the border and their main centers are now in, in, in Myanmar. And it's in the areas where there's the most, the most um, um, casinos, the most dangerous parts of Myanmar. That is where they've built their, their fortresses, their compounds. And they take these people there and they enslave them. And these people are forced to work for hours and hours and hours a day and they have to produce a certain amount of money. And what their job is, is that they go onto investment pyramid schemes and it is the highest of the highest, the cleverest. It is absolutely perfected in every way. You cannot, you, there's nothing that gives you a hint that it's not reality. Or they go onto Facebook or they go onto these dating, these dating um online dating plans or they go on to these illegal casinos and they call them pig feeding they connect with someone they build relationship with someone they don't mind how many months it takes and they pick feed they they lure this person in if it's a if it's a dating scheme that they make them believe that they're passionately in love with them and they want to get married to them and they lure them in and when they've lured them in enough, they just very slowly start asking them for money. And before they know it, they have stripped them. They have emptied out their bank accounts and they've stripped them of every single cent that they earn. Um, all the online banking, every single thing that can possibly be done online is what they appeal to. And they literally leave these people with nothing. But the worst of it all is if the person refuses to do it. They are tortured, they are, are treated badly, they are locked up, they are whipped, they are beaten, they are kept in dog cages, they are starved, they send messages to their family to threaten their family, they have to bring in a certain amount of money, many have disappeared, many have died, and some they believe their organs have been taken as well, where they've just literally stripped them of their organs, sold that on the market to China, and they've left them for dead. 
And friends, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people that are being tricked into slavery and even more that are being tricked out of their finances every single day. You can look it up. It's the, it's the, the, it's the internet scams. It's the pig feeding scams. It is absolutely horrendous. And the most amazing thing is that the people I was working with, God has made a way for them to be available to start trying to save these people. And I met people. It is headed up by people that are, that are, not, that are not from Myanmar. But God has given them favor. They've got favor with ambassadors. They've got favor with, with political people to try and fight and get these people free. And there are, I met the, 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 the people from Myanmar that are literally risking their lives every single day to go and meet up with those that managed to escape the compound and to help them to come into freedom. They're risking their lives every single day for people they don't know, for people that they have never met, for people they may never see again, just to help them to come into freedom. While I was there, I met two of the people that had just escaped. The one was from Uganda and the other one was from Malawi. Two young men. Um, the one from Uganda was a man of around about 40 with children. He'd gone to go and, and find a teaching post in, in um, Bangkok, which he never got. And then he was offered an online um, best income. The, uh, uh, couldn't believe that what he was going to earn. And he took it because he's desperate to send money back to his family. And that's how he got caught up. And he realized the only way that he could actually cope while he was there was to just be compliant, to do whatever they asked him to do. So he said he was treated well. He wasn't tortured as much as the others. He wasn't beaten as much as the others. He didn't suffer as much as the others. He didn't starve as much as the others. But the first opportunity that he could get he managed to find a way of crying out for help and he was able to be helped. And I met him and I interviewed him um, in the safe house that they've, that they've got for these people that are escaping. And he, he just said, please just warn people, just warn people. Don't believe anything on internet. Don't believe it. Don't believe those that are telling you that they're in love with you. They're not. Don't believe the scams on Facebook because they're scamming everybody on Facebook. Don't believe the pyramid schemes. Don't believe it because it's all a trick. Don't believe it. And every single person in every single country is vulnerable to this, friends. Our children are vulnerable to being caught up. We think we're sending them to good work overseas. It's not. They're being trapped. And you can just read about it. Just go into Google. You can read about it. The cyber scams. Just go read. It's everywhere. You can read about it. But what a privilege to be able to have been there, to see how they're helping people off, to meet the people that are risking their lives, to pray for the people that are mis risking their lives, to pray for the, the, the men that I could interview that were going back to their families. And the most amazing thing is the man that I interviewed, and I'm going to call him Tim, it's not his real name. He said to me, it was only Jesus. It was only Jesus. He cried out to God. It was only Jesus. Friends, they're turning to God inside these illegal slave trades. They're turning to God. Oh, we've just got to keep praying. We've just got to keep praying. I was just so in awe at the privilege of 
hands-on and being able to connect and to be able to see and to be able to be part of praying because more people were set free while I was there. There was a, a man that was set free and I can't tell you too many details about this, but he was actually part of the setting up of the, of the computer programming for this whole thing. But it was like his eyes were opened and he realized what he was doing and he had to get out of there and he thought he can't carry on. But then he became a slave to the very thing that he was part of. But he managed to escape and while I was there, we, we prayed him into freedom. I was part of watching the whole thing coming together of how they, they were able to help him. And, and we were just praying and getting prayer teams, praying, 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 praying. And how the angels intervened and, and I was able to get computers out with proof of what's going on there. And the last I'd heard, he'd been handed over to, a, to the, the police in a different country that were busy investigating all of this. And so we're really trusting if that place, just that one place, is brought into the light, 6,000 slaves will be set free, just one place. And there's at least 42 of them. Friends, we've got to pray. We've got to pray. This is a deep-rooted demonic onslaught against society. And it is very deep and it's very dark. And what a privilege to be able to have seen it on the front line and to have seen what was happening. The day that uh, my final day of ministering in Myanmar, three more Africans had been saved. And there was a whole lot of others that they were fighting for to save. So it's ongoing. These people, it's a handful. The, the harvest is white and the laborers are few. It's a handful of born-again, spiritual Christians that are fighting this massive organization to be able to help people to be set free. And you can't fight the top friends. You've got to pray for angelic intervention in small ways, in little gaps, so that people can find freedom and come out and cry out for exposure. Oh, I can tell you so much more about it, but I think I just needed to give you that much feedback. Um, they're women kept in dog cages. They are men enslaved and tied up at God, only God, only God. So it was an absolute privilege to be there. And then I had the incredible honor of being invited to go and, and minister in the city church, Yangon. I was asked to go and, and minister to the English community, which I did, and then they invited me to come and ministered to the Thai community, which I did as well. And the thing that blew me away, friends, were the thousands of youth. Thousands. I couldn't actually believe the hunger among the 12-year-olds to the 25-year-olds, worshipping God with everything within them, passionately, just this mass of young people, in the, in, the, in the evening meeting that I was in, I, I would hate to tell you the exact figures because I don't know. But there were just faces upon faces upon faces upon faces. There were adults and children, but it was about 80% young people worshipping God, weeping in the presence of God, passionate for Jesus. Got saved, God touched them. And, and, and there's just this revival happening among the youth. Friends, <laughs> I would rather spend time in a country with no hope and see a people passionately loving Jesus than be in the luxury of a country that's got everything but they don't know incredible Jesus. This world is so temporal. Eternity is eternal and eternal and eternal. And they're finding eternity 
in the midst of the outpouring of demonic evil in the country. What an honor, what an honor. I left Myanmar having ministered intensely, solidly, and <laughs> morning, noon, and night from the moment I arrived. But I left there full of vigor, full of fire, such excitement, such joy, such grace. I felt like I had not spent one drop of energy because I had just received. Oh, I could, there's so much more I could share with you, but, but that's what I'm going to share with you today. And then I went to Thailand and it was a completely different place. I've been to both of them before and I went to Thailand in January, but I was too sick to enjoy anything of the country then. But <clears throat> when I went this time, I went to go minister, to go and share and to go and empower people and to lift arms and to, to go and, and be with a people there that were serving Jesus. And, and Thailand is very affluent. It's got a lot and lot a lot of, of tourists. I think the thing that shocks and shatters me every time I do go to Thailand is seeing how many Western, well-educated people are there for the sake of raping the country of its beautiful woman. I think that's the thing that flabbergasts me every time. Doctors and lawyers and, and well-educated people that you think their, their academic knowledge would give them more control over their, over their sexual drive. And I think the thing that horrifies me even more is to see fathers bringing their young sons to come and have their, their what? Their exposure to filth. And the worst of it all is, do they not realize that most of those women don't even want to be there? They're there because they've been trafficked, they've been sold, they've been made to be there. And they've got to smile and look beautiful for, for sex-hungry men with aborted minds and, and bringing their sons, the, the next lot of lawyers and doctors and, and who knows what else, to come and be exposed to such filth. It horrifies me, and, and I'm talking strongly now, and, and I must probably be criticized for it, but it's horrific. Because how much have we learned? Nothing. We don't even understand how to control our own sexual drive. So that's the horror of it. But what for me was incredibly interesting, it's an affluent country. The, the, the poor and the, and the poverty is definitely there. But it's tourism. It's, it's more first world, I think, than the first world. There are, there are more malls and more elaborate malls and, and more exciting malls than I've ever seen in my life. And I've been there a few times. I've seen them a few times. But it's just so happening. And the traffic is intense because the roads can't control all the traffic that comes into the city. But what was amazing for me in Thailand is that I kept meeting up with people from everywhere. I met so many different nations of people in this trip. I met Chinese, I met Australians, Americans, Swiss, um, Singaporean, from Hong Kong, from South Africa, from Britain, from Wales. Oh, I'm going to forget a few along the journey. I met so many different nations of people that I had the privilege and the honor of being able to connect with and, and to share with and minister to and impart into and empower. And it was such an honor. Really, it was such an honor. The thing that really stood out for me about Thailand was the amount of people whose eyes were opened during the, the COVID and to the years of lockdown who've just said, no, this is not right. Some of them were born again, some of them were not. And they just realized their eyes have been opened. We have been 
blindfolded. We have believed lies. They have literally tried to control people by appealing intellectually and through media and feeding them garbage. I met people that have fled Singapore because they cannot come into agreement with a government that forced everybody to be inoculated and that the whole country has been turned into some smart city that's lifeless. People are just walking around with, with, no, with, no, with vacancy. Absolute first world, absolute smart city, but there's nothing. And they have fled the country and they've left. And they said, we can't live like that. There's no life. There's no destiny. There's no future. And it was so interesting to meet these people. And I just listened. Excuse me. I just listened as most of them just poured their story and they were so ready to pour out their story because they've all given up a lot to try and find logic in a world that's gone crazy and it was really interesting for me as I said I met them from many different from very many different nations and I found that the way that I could reach people in in, in Thailand was very very different in, in in Myanmar they just wanted more of the Holy Spirit they wanted to empower they they just they already were alive and they just wanted more fire on that life in Thailand they knew the truth but they did not have the fire and it was very interesting to just lead people into one-on-one -on -one encounters and, and, and groups of just absolutely encountering Jesus and answering questions and being able to talk about the simplicity. They have been bombarded with intellectual junk and they want the simplicity of what does it actually mean to just worship? What does it actually mean to, in, to encounter Jesus? What does it actually mean? And it was just such a different way of being able to minister to people. But I was so encouraged by the fact that all over the world, people's eyes have been opening. And friends, I want to say to you, I hope your eyes are opened. I hope you're not going to be caught in the next wave of being led like sheep without a shepherd to your own slaughter. People were, were, were asking questions like, why was it so easy to lead the, the Jews to the Holocaust? Because they never questioned. They believed. They believed it couldn't possibly be that bad. Friends, it's time to ask questions. And it's time not to be gullible and to be led into every rubbish that you've heard over media. But to actually see what's really going on. And it was amazing for me when people started sharing their story and how their eyes were opened and how they started seeing things differently and they all had a different story. But the, the fruit of it and the content of it was all exactly the same and they didn't even know each other. And meeting one after the other after the other, some of them born again, some of them Holy Spirit conviction, other of them not even the thought of salvation, but absolute revelation that they will not be blinded. It was very, very interesting for me. Very eye-opening. Very sobering to realize exactly what is going on. I had the privilege of being able to, to minister to pastors. I had the privilege of being able to share with people that were just weary, that had been in ministry a long time and just needed their arms lifted. So, so Thailand for me was far more of ministering to leaders. It was more of an apostolic trip, more of an apostolic input and impartation. Whereas Myanmar was so much 
of just the fire of God and the glory of God. There were far more times of just sitting, answering questions and giving people peace and, and, and helping them. There were many, many, many questions about where's the world at and that they realized that the world is not in the same place. And, and it's like the eyes of Ishaka are being opened and they want to know, they want to see, they want, they had deep questions. It was a very interesting time. I had to really be sharp all the time to be able to hear the Holy Spirit and to answer questions and to be able to empower in the right moments. So it was a, it was a glorious trip. Lots of ministry, lots of small groups, lots of indi individual ministry, lots of just lifestyle empowering, lots and lots and lots of pouring out. And then God gave me the privilege of being taken for two days to a place called Pattaya. So I, I went to Bangkok, I went to Wahin, and then I went to, to Pattaya. And for two nights and one and a half days, I was given a holiday. Wow! It was so amazing. And and I think what was just so amazing about the holiday, it was like all my little secrets of my heart, my little heart's desires, that I had just said, oh God, I would just love. And suddenly it was there. We had this lovely, lovely little self-catering unit and my friend and I stayed in and we had an ocean view. We could sit on the balcony and just watch the ocean. We had night markets. Oh, my hat, night markets. How I love night markets. I think there were three of them that we could quickly pop in and go to. Not that I really bought anything, but this experience, the nightlife, the excitement, the lights, the, 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 the smells. We sat down with one gentleman who told us, have you found the, the food market yet? Um, I said, oh, I love crayfish. He said, well, that's where you go for craze. My friends, I was blown away by the monster cray, the, the crayfish that was bought for me, <laughs> that I had the delight of eating every single morsel of it. I've never seen a crayfish so big. And it wasn't even the biggest one, but it was massive. And I had this delicious, I had nothing else with it, just crayfish. And I promise you, I couldn't finish it. But there was no way I was going to leave one single mouthful. So I sat there eating and eating and eating and eating, thinking I'm in heaven. This is the closest to heaven I'm going to get on earth. This is absolutely amazing. So God even gave me the desire of my heart, which was crayfish. I so wanted to taste crayfish in Thailand. And I had this monster. And I don't think I'm exaggerating when I tell you that's the size that it was. It was massive. And we just had these two beautiful, beautiful days of just resting. We really didn't do too much except walk a lot, look a lot and experience just resting in Thailand, in, in, in a place that was just so, so beautiful. And Pattaya is known as the, the Las Vegas of Thailand. Um, so if you were wanting to look for the Sin City, you could find it. But we didn't go there for that. We went for the beauty of the the other side of the of the the city where there's none of that. It's families, it's people that really have moral understanding, that care, that care about life. And um, we had this beautiful, beautiful time and resting for two days. And then it was the the long journey home. But friends, I've given you an overview. I've given you a little tiny glimpse of the last four weeks, five weeks that I was away, that I had the privilege of being able to minister away. I know without a doubt that it was a God-ordained time. I know without a doubt that God used my life 
to affect many other people's lives. God blessed my life by revealing his goodness, his glory and his power in ways that I haven't seen for a long time. And more than anything else, the friendships and the relationships that have been building for years that were strengthened again and just given love. Friends, love. How does one describe love? How does one describe the love of God that breaks your heart for nations, that breaks your heart for people? How does one describe the love of God that bursts within us, that you can love strangers and that you can feel like you've known them all of your life just because like spirits have connected? How does one describe that? I've come home and I almost feel like a fish out of water. I don't really actually know what to do now <laughs> because it was just so much to pour out and to give and, and so much to just give to such a hungry people. And now it's like, okay, well, let's carry on with every day, but I can't live every day because I can only live for Jesus and for pouring out Jesus. So it's, it's quite weird to be back, quite honestly, and I'm just going to, maybe I just need a bit of more rest and sleep, and maybe I've got a bit of jet lag, but I've been feeling very overwhelmed today. But I wanted to give you feedback. I wanted to thank those that, that have so generously poured into my life to, so that I can do what God's called me to do, and to thank those that were praying for me. And you know what, friends? I just want to end with this. More and more and more, I was so aware that when Jesus came, he didn't say, the reason that I'm here is to teach you to plant churches. And he didn't say, the reason that I'm here is so that you can do leadership training. He didn't say that at all. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free and to release from prison those that are in darkness so that they may become oaks of righteousness. And friends, more than ever, I just saw the power of Jesus that when you preach the truth, when you preach the good news, when you talk the simplicity of the gospel in a way that even children can understand it, and when you go and put your arms around a brokenhearted person, and you tell them that you love them. And you watch them with shackles fall off their lives. There was a woman in, in, in Thailand that as I looked at her, my heart broke for her. She was an old lady. And as I looked at her, I felt God said, put your arms around her and just love her. And as I put my arms around her to love her, I realized no one had ever, ever hugged her in her whole life. And she stood like a ramrod and she didn't quite know what to do with this. And I had an interpreter telling her I just wanted to release the love of Jesus. And I started just whispering in her ear and speaking life into her and loving on her. And friends, she broke. She just broke in my arms and I held her and she just wept and wept and wept and wept and wept. And, and it was just the most overwhelming sense of heal the brokenhearted. And at the end of all of it, I was horrified to find out that she was four years younger than me. 
But her life will never be the same again. Her eyes were sparkling as I healed, spoke healing into her heart, as I released the love of God into her heart, and as I prophesied over her heart. And friends, it was the most beautiful thing to see, a heart that was so shut in pain, just being opened up and receiving love. And she literally, literally changed color from being gray and looking like death. Her face became pink and she started reflecting life and light back into her. And that's only one. Friends, there were so many. How, how can we explain the love of God? But he came to heal the brokenhearted, friends. And that does not take four years in theology. It takes hearts that are broken for the lost. He came to set the captives free. How do we set the captives free? When we help them to see the truth, friends, because the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. They cannot see. They are blinded. They are captive. But when we help them to see truth, to see how to be empowered, they, their captives are set free. And then, friends, to release from prison those that are in darkness. Friends, deliverance happens so easily. When you just come to do what God's called you to do. I saw people go through deliverance. I saw people being set free. I saw people being released. I saw wounded, broken hearts being healed. Oh, how glorious is our gospel. How glorious if we just do what he's called us to do. How glorious. So friends, I want to bless you today. I know I've been a bit overwhelmed, but truly I, I am. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed at the goodness and the kindness of God. And I just want to say to you that I love you so much. And just keep being who he's called you to be. Just, just love, love those who are unloving. Just keep caring. Just keep showing love. Just one last thing to say was that wherever I always go, I, I tend to always greet people. I always tend to just... Just be warm to people. It's just who I am. I, I greet my, my, the people who serve me. I, I greet the garage. and That's just who I am. I'm, I, I greet people. I, I, I smile at people. And I was walking in the streets of Thailand where nobody looks at each other. No, it's as everyone lives as if they're in a box, as if no one's ever seen each other. And I was just doing what I always do and just saying, hi, how are you? And, and learning to know what it means to greet people. And I'm going to forget right now in, 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 in Thai and in, in Burmese. And the people I was with, the pastor I was with said to me, are you always like this? And I said, like what? He said, you just greet people. I said, yes, I am. And when I, when I finished and I left with him after spending four or five days with him, his wife said to me, you're the first person that I've met that doesn't preach a gospel. You live it. I've never met somebody like that. I want to learn how to do that. Friends, that was the biggest compliment anybody could ever have paid me. I thought, wow, that's amazing. So I want to say to you today, friends, go and live Jesus. Go and be Jesus. Go and be his hands, his smile, his face. And it's so easy if you just stop looking in your own heart and how miserable you are and just start looking around and seeing how me, so many people just need a kiss from Jesus today. Your eyes can do that. Your smile can do that. Your touch can do that. You can do that. 
God bless you, friends. And until we meet again, goodbye.